Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and this is my senior year. Y'all, so the show has been going strong for about few years now season seven uh being of course my fourth year contributing to the podcast uh conversation and community first and foremost thank you all who have listened debated commented shared the show clicked the hashtag made some comments five star reviews all that good stuff thank you thank you thank you so diving right in now with DC's Batwoman TV show coming on very soon, wink wink, on the CW network, I figured I would dive into the history of a character from the show. So this issue of my senior year <laughs> of Carefree Black Nerd covers Lucas Fox, otherwise known as Batwing. Alright y'all, so Batwing is a comic book superhero, of course. Appearing in DC Comics, duh. <laughs> now, within the DC Comics um, continuity, Batwing is one of several different superheroes who were to mimic Batman himself. Uh, Batwing was conceived by Batman as his crime-fighting counterpart overseas, known as the Batman of Africa. So that was the first Batwing, David Zavimbe, Zavimbe, Zavibe. Excuse me, Z-A-V-I-M-B-E. All right. He is a superhero operating in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, In his civilian identity, he is a police officer fighting against corruption in his department. Now, um, using an arsenal of advanced technology supplied by Batman, of course, his Batwing suit, this is a powerful, how do they say, exoskeleton. Now, um, equipped with his manservant, Matuba, Matuba, <laughs> he wages a one-man war against evil to protect the city of Tanache. Now, I don't think this city is really called Tanache, but the way it's spelled, T-I-N-A-S-H-A, it's probably Tanasha. I'm calling it Tanache. period. <laughs> now, he has been a member of the Batman Incorporated, the Batman Family, The Collective, and Justice League International. His successor is none other than Luke Fox, who operates in Gotham City. Uh, Batwing was created by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. Burnham. Uh, he first appeared in Batman Incorporated number 5, that was back in what? 2011. So he's not that old of a character, but he's been around for a while. Now, Luke Fox, on the other hand, is an American mixed martial artist who had been Batman's first choice for the role of Batwing. But, um, you know, Batman being close associates with Luke's father, Lucius Fox, eh, that didn't really sit too well. Now, Batwing faces a roster of different villains ranging from international supervillains to the Democratic Republic of the Congo's corrupt police force. Batwing expands the DC Universe by one, taking place in Africa, um, also making the David, the original David Zavimbe, both its first in-continuity black Batman and one of a few characters headlining a series outside of the United States. Because we know that all of the DC characters exist within this space of Gotham, Metropolis, Central City, and there's a few in there, but it's all American (laughs) and United States. So, um, also, Luke Fox is black. Um, He becomes the first in-continuity African-American Batman. So, Batwing has been a first of first, but considering how long Batman has been around, having a character like this is like, eh, it took a little bit, you know. Um... What else? Okay, so Batwing. We're going to start with David Zavimbe. Uh, he first appeared as part of the Batman Incorporated and Batman Incorporated Volume 1 back in May of 2011. However, in the rebooted Prime Earth continuity, his first appearance as part of the DC Universe was in New 52 Batwing series by Judd Winnick and Ben Oliver. Now, this was his own monthly series in 2011 as well. So, first of first of first, he is the trailblazer. 
Um, the writing duo of Justin Gray and Jimmy Palamati took over Batwing, starting with Batwing issue number 19. That was back in June of 2013, so that wasn't that far um, far back either. Now, in this issue 19, they introduced a new Batwing, Luke Fox, someone who has uh, who was first unrelated to the previous Batwing, and this Batwing would no longer be the Batman of Africa, but be more international, along with having more ties to Gotham City, as if we need more crime fighters in Gotham City. So, to me, that sounded a bit odd, even after looking through the history of both of these Batwings, because if you haven't known by now, though this is a Luke Fox episode, I do want to touch on both Batwings' histories, because again, who who knows what persona is going to show up in the Batwoman television show. But the thing that was odd to me is that you took a minority character out of Africa where a wealth, a plethora of stories could be told just to make him an international character. Now, I don't really like that, but you could have kind of stopped there and I'm like, okay, well, he's working the world at large. But then you give him more ties to Gotham City as if we need more people with more ties to Gotham City. Like, there are more stories that could be told and not just because of the success of Black Panther, um, Black Panther's cinematic debut, but just in general, Think about if you gave that character, that book, a creative team that were African who could tell these great stories. Like, man, I don't know. I just think that that was, it, it could have been handled better. So you give him more ties to Gotham City, which is so weird. They're like Batman on top of Batman on top of Batman and Robins that are already there as the mascot for Gotham City. Now, I do understand that moving him probably gives the character more readership or more eyes on him because being in a Batman book or being in Gotham, you're probably going to sell a book like that regardless. But that's still an excuse and it's kind of tone deaf because I feel like if you wanted a Black Robin character just to make a Black Robin character, why would you take this character out of Africa where there are, again, so many stories that could be told by creators who are Africans who know the African landscape, who are into the fiction of it all, who can give you a rich, different story that you may not get from any Tom, Dick, or Harry here over in Portland, USA, you know? But, I don't know. I just think that's kind of ass backwards. You get somebody who's actually in the diaspora, that, but whatever. So, um, the thing that is interesting to me is that I'm, I'm wondering, like, how many African characters does DC have? I don't know this off the top of my head. If you know, please use the hashtag CBNPod. Tweet me, Carefree Blur, and let me know if you know about, maybe not an exact number, or if you have that, how many African characters, not black, not African-American, African characters exist in DC Universe. And how many of them are stationed in Africa? Not an African queen or princess or prince that's come from there over to Gotham or Metropolis. An actual African character. How many? And how many of those are living or stationed in Africa? Um, Also, what is DC doing to push these stories of these other characters of color? Like the black ones where they aren't sidekicks or adjacent to their white counterparts. Um, Again, this show is about representation in comics and related media. And DC, just like any other company, is going to do what works for them and what sells. But then you look at their top three, their Trinity, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And they share a very obvious similarity that other characters do not. So where are the stories for the ones that do not? Okay. So starting this off with David Zavimbe. This Batwing, who operated in the Congo, hey, man. Okay, so when David was just a child in Tanache, <laughs> this is a fictional city in the Congo, his parents died of AIDS, AIDS-related complications. Like, already, why is that the go-to? But, whatever. Uh, okay, so, after this traumatic event, David and his older brother Isaac were taken from their orphanage and drafted as child soldier prodigies. Again, what? Okay, so like many children their age, 
they were taken to the General Keita's Army of the Dawn for a war that ravaged his country. So again, what? I don't know. Um, whatever. So while many of the young boys were picked to join the Army of the Dawn, the Zavimbe brothers stood out. They were outstanding soldiers. Like everybody praised them. Um, okay, so they were ex exceptional, of course, with taking orders, with killing. They were even given the name the Dragonflies. Now, this is because they had uh, impeccable speed, dexterity, ability to kill, and, of course, like I said, follow orders. Now, General Kida promoted these boys to the ranks of his elite men. So, again, these are kids whose parents have died. They've been put in an orphanage. They've been pulled from an orphanage, thrown into this child army, have excelled at these atrocities and then now as children they rise to the ranks of the elite men the adult army i would imagine now on Kida's path to power and domination he orders the brothers to kill someone named akuru now this is one of Kida's major enemies so they agree they sneak in and they slit akuru's throat but Keita demands that they torture the entire village that Keith, that Okuru lived in to prevent any possible escape. Which I'm like, bruh, insult to injury. But I mean, I guess as a as a general in a child army, you would want to make sure no one can come back and kind of get you for this. But God dang. So the brothers, David and Isaac, refuse to kill innocent women and children. That being said, keeping that in mind, y'all, Isaac shoots his gun in the air. That gives Okuru and his squadron time to fire shots back. Now, arguing with David and Isaac, Keitha gets hit over the head with a rock. Keitha reaches for his machete <laughs> and slices Isaac multiple times, just slicing at him. Now, while he's doing this, David is like, I'm out. He's running away, panicked. Later on that night, David sneaks into Keith's room and drugs him before he can get up, respond, say anything. So this man, you done sliced my brother up. I ain't seen this man. He probably dead. I, I got to get revenge some kind of way. You've already trained me and given me the tools to take care of this, which is such a strange thing. Like, make sure you got your, I guess, loyalty in check. Like before you start asking for folks to kill innocent women and children and then start stabbing their family members with machetes. So David snuck into his room, drugged him. Now, eventually, <laughs> Keita wakes up. He's tied up in the back of an SUV. David says, I will not kill any longer. He drops Keita off outside of Okuru's new uh, station. Now, while they're firing shots in the air, because he wants Okuru's people to know that there's something going on out here, they come out to find none other than Kita. So, David has been through hell. You and your brother, growing up in the war-torn country of Tanache, uh, two on, uh, you love to get two on. No, <laughs> your parents die from... Ugh, HIV AIDS related complications as children you're pulled from your home thrown into an orphanage I know I've said this but just I want you to understand the depth and the the amount of trauma that this boy has gone through already so you and your brother become soldiers thrown into an adult army made to murder and kill innocent people when then when you stand up for yourself or you rebel then your brother gets sliced up oh man now moving from childhood to adulthood um, after General Keita's death, David spends the next few years walking to the Children's Harbor. Now, this is an orphanage for former child soldiers, so keep, keep that in mind. We have veterans, child veterans from war, and there is an orphanage specifically for them. What would that even look like? I, I don't know that that's a thing. Um, if you have some more insight into this more than I do clearly let me know you know tweet me because all of this though fiction has ties to something real and this is a very unfortunate situation for anyone to find themselves in let alone a child who has lost everything so 
He gets to Children's Harbor and David was able to escape that life of being a soldier because of this. Now, growing up in Tanache, he becomes a police officer where there's so much corruption like in the community and in the police department, but David is still able to be dedicated to the law and justice, which is an interesting way to play this character because I would think that with all the stuff that you've been through, I guess it does make sense that you then turn to try to be a bastion or a savior or, you know, bastion for justice, but you could have easily gone in an entirely different direction. This reminds me of, it's a show on Netflix uh, called Shadow. I think it's Shadow. I know that's the main character's name. And it's a, um, I think it's an English show with African actors, something like that. But he was a, wasn't a war-torn country child soldier, but it was this guy who was on the police force and some other stuff happened. I don't really want to spoil anything, but it, it gave me these vibes when I read, um, through this section of David's childhood. If you know about Shadow, then you know, let me know. I think I think we'd be on the same page here. Now, he's a police officer. He's in Tanache. He's the stand-up guy doing what he's supposed to do. Now, quick hard left over to the United States. Someone by the name of Bruce Wayne announces that Batman Incorporated, an initiative to put Batman-like figures in countries all across the world, will be launched pretty soon. So kudos to him, I guess, to um, extend his uh, weaponry and machinery and vigilantism to the rest of the world and not the Gotham Police Department, so maybe they could be the ones to do their job, but I don't know. Um, so kudos to you, pat on the back, Mr. Wayne. Now, Batman, for whatever reason, pays a visit to Tanache, where he ends up inducting David as the newest member of his Batman Incorporated team in his quest, his noble quest to stop the global terrorist Leviathan. Cool. Now, after finding out that there's a false Dr. Daedalus, um, they found him and coming into confrontation with Leviathan yet again, Batman travels to an unknown destination within the continent of Africa. He does this in order to recruit a new member to his team of Batman. Batman Incorporated, of course. Batman leads David through his first mission for Batman Incorporated. He gives him a technology, technologically advanced bat suit. David enters a Leviathan brainwashing cell. Now, he avoids capture only slightly. Now, once his presence is compromised during this escape, he, being David, demonstrated a very keen knowledge of martial arts, also showing off special capabilities of his bat suit, including jet propulsion. Which is, okay, cool, but you've put me in this sticky situation where I gotta fight these weirdos from Leviathan and I'm on my own. Yeah, I got a bat suit, but you ain't know if I was just that capable. <laughs> but David got out unscathed. Now... Getting to his, I guess his rogues gallery. So, following the story up, Batwing faces off against a new villain. This guy calls himself Massacre. Now, as Massacre gets the upper hand in a battle against David's Batwing, we see some flashbacks of Batwing stopping Blood Tiger, who was a former captain uh, of a warlord and now in control of a drug ring. So, while in this flashback, Batwing stops Blood Tiger, and he captures him. Now, as he investigates, you know, a, a little bit further, a little bit deeper, he, David, comes upon a gruesome crime scene with beheaded bodies. Why the hell not? Later, as he researches it with the police, he finds a room filled with murdered police officers and he gets stabbed in the back by none other than Massacre. Like, Massacre ain't playing he coming for your heads, your necks, your backs, and all that. So, he's shocked. Like, he looking shocked at the, um, excuse me, at the murdered officers. Now, David attempts to fight back, but he loses. Of course, Massacre just stabs him in the back. <laughs> Massacre attempts to finish David off, but he's interrupted by someone named Kia Okuru. Hmm and other officers who fire shots at him. Now, David passes out during the shootout, of course. He wakes up two weeks later in The Haven. 
Now at the Haven, he asks his manservant or mentor or whatever he's considered in this iteration, Matu Ba, to see about this shootout and the welfare of Kia Okuru. Now Matu lets David know that Kia lives, Kia is full alive, <laughs> but she had been badly beaten and the rest of the officers had been killed, which is like, you already in a room full of beheaded and bloodied folks and now everybody else is dead? Like, bruh, this is, but is that payback or karma for the atrocities and the, the shady department? Or like, what is this? What are we even dealing with here? Now, David attempts to go after Massacre, but Matu urges him to remain in the Haven to heal his injuries and regain his strength, which I'm seeing, you know, some parallels. This is very much a Bruce Wayne, Batman sort of thing. Batman and Alfred. It's unfortunate, but it's very much on brand. Now, uh, Matu Ba and David get to arguing. Matu forces David to get back in the bed because, of course, like, that's what you do. You're a friend. You're helping out. You know there's nothing he can do in this condition. David does a very dick move. <laughs> he knocks out Matu with a tranquilizer dart, then goes after Massacre. Okay, so you aren't even completely healed. You knock out the one person that's taking care of you who can protect your identity and all that. And then you have strengthly, I guess, <laughs> Go after Massacre, somebody who already stabbed you in the back. I don't know, fam. Things don't look too good for David. Now, David pretty much, with his investigative skills, uh, realized that Massacre's location, uh, and he got this from something that Massacre had said to him when he was at the police station. Now, David arrives just in time to aid Thunderfall of the Kingdom, <laughs> who is engaged in a battle with Massacre. Massacre coming for all y'all heads. Police officers, civilians, other villains, like everybody, anybody could get it. So, even though he's injured, falling apart, Batwing, along with the help of several injured Thunderfall, <laughs> severe, excuse me, a severely injured Thunderfall, he managed to fight and then escape from Massacre. Now, y'all keep escaping from this Massacre person, but you ain't really putting in the work to either kill him, unmask him, send him into custody. Like y'all ain't really y'all ain't really doing a good job here. And I, that's questionable and that's 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 bothering me a little bit. Now they get to a nearby hospital where Thunderfall reveals that the kingdom, a superhero who operates in Africa, the kingdom, had done something terrible and that massacre was their punishment. So Take this a couple steps back because I want to I go through all this again. Matu forces David to get back in the bed. David like, all right, cool. Shoots Matu with a tranquilizer dart. He knocked out. He's still badly broken and beaten, but he decides to get up and go after Massacre still. He found out about Massacre's location, got to, uh, got to the location to help Thunderfall of the kingdom. The kingdom is the group of uh, superheroes. Go to help Thunderfall. Both of them still get their butt beat. Thunderfall has to get to the hospital. <laughs> Aided by Batwing. Massacre is gone in the wind. After all of this, then you, I'm speaking as if I'm uh, David, then you, Thunderfall, now tell me that Massacre is a punishment for something that you and your silly ass superhero team then came up with. Like, what? What have y'all done? What is the price you have to pay? Whew, okay, so let's move on to the truth revealed. Now, the final truth is, after the heroes rescue the kingdom, the tech-powered member Steelback, he tells them this. Years ago, the kingdom was fighting the ruthless dictator of Congo, right alongside the people's army which left him only with the capital city to defend. Intending on this being a victory of the people, they left the army to go alone, but soon received a message saying the dictator has allied himself with the African crime lords, making it impossible to win even with the kingdom's intervention. The heroes are forced to give amnesty to him and promise no retaliation after that. The crime lords fought anyway, 
But without the dictator to support them, their army of child soldiers were slaughtered and 50,000 lives were lost in the battle. This tragedy led to the kingdom's subsequent dissolution. Bruh. Okay, so terrible, terrible situation. More importantly, why is this just some random African crime lords? We're already in Africa. Why are you saying African crime lords? Um, something about this just doesn't feel right. And not right in the story sense, but it feels like this story, I don't you know what, it's just something that just does not feel right. The story is sad, and you've killed all these children, so you have the, I don't know, obligatory African death by HIV-AIDS related complications. You have the obligatory child soldier in war-torn Africa, because Africa is constantly at war, and that's what they're... I don't know, good for, and even had this been the truth for some parts, you can't tell me that this story couldn't have been placed in a different space. Like, was it absolutely necessary? And then to make a story like this, have it so deep-rooted in these stereotypes of Africa, but then to rip this character from that space, and it's like, oh, just be international, where there are so many, y'all know how I am, with representation and with stories being told by people in those stories. But I digress. Now, after the events of the bomb attack at the United Nations place, Booster Gold, a superhero of the Justice League, Booster Gold was saddened that the team had lost some of the Justice League international members who were hurt or killed. Now, Massacre was later revealed to have been none other than Batwing's older brother Isaac. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so, after all of this, we find out that you've been fighting your brother this whole time. We thought that he was dead, that Keith had sliced him, sliced him up, excuse me, and, 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 and killed him and whatever else. But that's such, again, another sad story. There's something to be ex explored there where you have this hero who has gone through all this trauma has pretty much lost everything, has had to start over, and has found himself as an adult being this justice warrior, even in a space where everyone is corrupt. Then being recruited by this wealthy, tech-advanced benefactor, then you even, when you get his help, you're thrown into situations where you are nearly killed. Yes, you, have, you use your training, and then you encounter a villain who is on par excuse me better than on par to everyone he comes in contact with you included only to find out that after all this shit all the trauma all the loss that this is your long lost brother what was his life like well i'll tell you he was brainwashed <laughs> now after this matu is injured in an attack on batwing's home base now, Batwing decided that he would use lethal force in his protection of the Democratic Republic of Congo. So again, stories to be told. What happened in those years that Isaac spent being brainwashed? You know, he was stabbed and cut up by Keita, but Keita ended up dead. So what, what happened in between then and now? How did you become massacred? Now that we know that you're massacred and all these atrocities and we've been through all this trauma and stress... Where do we go as siblings? Are we rekindling a uh, relationship, uh, a familiar relationship, or are we, you know, at odds now? You know, are we, like, what? There are stories to be told there. Man. Now, uh, Batwing was briefly a member of the JLI, Justice League International, until the series came to an end with Justice League International Annual Number 1. Batwing joined with the team, calling themselves the Dead Horses Club. This was an offshoot of Batman Inc. Uh, the other members are Looker, Freight Train, The Hood, Gaucho, Wingman, and Halo. Uh, let's see, David's powers and abilities. He has shown a knowledge of martial arts and um, supplied with a Batman uh, heavy teched out uh, gadgets and weapons in his suit that helps him fight crime. He is also very well trained without any weapons in his hands. He, uh, this makes him one of the biggest threats in the Batman universe. 
His bat suit is armored and is capable of regeneration abilities, which is what? I like to say it's comics, y'all, because that's, that's new. Um, uh, adaption as well, adaption skills with the help of wings, allowing him to fly or glide. And because he works as a police officer, it is heavily implied that he has received basic police training with the genius detective Bruce Wayne assisting him along the way, of course. Now, if the David Zavimbe name is familiar to you, Smallville Season 11, David Zavimbe, is featured in the digital comic based off that TV series. In this continuity, David is an ally of Lana Lang, who supplies her with information for her vigilante activities in Africa. Hey there, you. You listening at work, or maybe you riding in your car. Or you, wherever you're listening, take a minute, stretch, roll your neck, stretch, shake your arms, get that blood pumping and moving. Now, while you're doing that, I'm going to tell you why you should join me over on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get early access to podcasts, extended or even separate podcast episodes altogether that go a bit deeper into the shows, into the show discussion, and uh, Patreon exclusive shows. Now, with Patreon, you're able to support a show that you love and get a little bit more content in return. And if you're unable to pledge this month, that's not a problem at all. You can support the show on whatever podcast listening platform you choose. Please give that five-star rating and leave a few words for someone else who might be thinking of subscribing to the show as well. Doing that, along with mentioning the show, sharing the show on social media, that always helps. Now, back to the show. Now we move on to Lucas Fox. He's also known as Luke Fox. Now, after the events of Batwing issue 19, David resigned, of course, giving way to Luke Fox to become the new Batwing. Now, a bit of history with Luke Fox. He was born to Lucius and Tanya Fox. Luke was the first addition to the Fox family. His birth was a time of exceptional joy. (laughs) Uh, For both his parents, but specifically for his father, Lucius, who dreamed, of course, that his son would follow in his footsteps and be this tech genius, tech savvy guy like him. Now, when Luke turned four, his sister Tamara Fox was born. This was the time that Lucius began working at Wayne Tech, thus affording this Fox family all of the opulent and wealthy luxuries that the upper crust of uh, Gotham society enjoyed. Now, some years later after that, his youngest sister, Tiffany Fox, uh, was born. That was back in issue 25, I believe. Now, as Luke Fox begin to grow up into his own him and his father were button heads constantly they argued more and more day in and day out the reason being they both had two separate ideas separate but firm ideas on what luke would do with the rest of his life luke did not want to follow in the footsteps of his father his father he felt essentially wanted him to live in his shadow and that's not something he wanted which is something i'm sure we all couldn't relate to maybe not being exactly like our parents but a a a path that they wanted us to be on or that they had for us where even if it deviates just a little or a lot it's not exactly what we want for ourselves and of course you got to do what you got to do for yourself <laughs> now during this time Luke and his mother actually began to get a bit closer now Tanya was more understanding to her son's desires because she understood her husband and she also understood her son and this clashing of ideas between between the two of them excuse me now luke made a deal with his dad he was like look i'm gonna do what i want to do but to compromise i am going to at least finish college before doing so like that there has to be some push and pull here and he stood by his word now with that being said i'm going to take a like a hard left here and i'm going to dive from this point into the DC animated movie Bad Blood, into that continuity. So there we pick up with Luke and his life changing when his father was murdered, excuse me, nearly murdered by Heretic. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, my apologies, this is spoilers, but Heretic was an adult clone version of Damian Wayne and the leader of Talia al Ghul's supervillain gallery. So really quickly, 
Damian Wayne, for those of you who don't know, is the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. There is a two-part episode on Talia al Ghul somewhere down in the archives. I'll link that to this show notes for this episode. Now, uh, Luke, having seen Batman's secret uh, technology lair, and because of his father's condition, he goes and steals the latest bat suit that his father created for Batman. Now, he put it on, suited up, and uh, went into battle. Now, what he did was he got to Dick Grayson uh, just in the nick of time. Now, Dick Grayson in this history is Batman at this time. Not only do we have Batwing, Luke Fox, we have Dick Grayson, Batman, and we also have Kathy Kane, Batwoman. All of them with this like kind of untrustworthy who is this who are you let's do this let's get this done it was a very interesting movie i enjoyed it i won't say much more than that so jumping right back into the comics after luke kept his word about you know going to college so there is a legend of batman that would emerge amidst the greatest catastrophe catastrophe gotham has ever endured a maniac calling himself riddler had shut down all electric power mere days before a terrifying superstorm. This was back in DC Comics Zero Year, uh, back in 2013. Now, during this time, Luke was at MIT. He started studying mixed martial arts, and he was also best friends with the kind of geeky guy, Russell Tavaraf. I think I'm saying that right. Tavaraf, T-A-V-O-R-A-F-F. Now, this guy, Tavaraf, had been bullied so many times on campus to the point where Luke had to take up for him a bunch of times on campus. Now, one night after martial arts training, the two guys were attacked by a gang. Like, what? A gang? Now, this was the first time Luke would use his uh, martial arts skills to defend himself. This night in particular, two purposes, two things happened that night. One, Russell realized just how weak he is. And Luke realized what a rush it was, what a high he was on to put his life on the line. Now, well, of course, Russell was his friend, but this vigilante spirit kind of took over him. Now, in the next few weeks, he would fight um, with Batman. He would fight with Batman against the gang, that same gang that had beat up him and his friend. Now, Luke was so excited that he took care of this gang, he ran back to his good old friend Russell. Because ain't that what you do? Hey, man, this same group that whooped our asses a couple weeks ago, I really got them good, bruh. So, <laughs> this is where Lucas met Menace. Mm-mm-mm. His friend Russell pumped up on Venom to become a terrifying supervillain. Now, Luke realized his friend was going to blow up the levees and cause a flood. But Luke stopped him and blew up his friend in the process, which is like, again, this iteration of Batwing has seen his fair share of trauma as well. (laughs) So moving on to capable and highly favored. Now, after the loss of his friend Russell, Lucas began tournament fighting. This was at age 16, despite his father's disapproval. While he was finishing his studies at MIT, he had one thing on his mind, joining Batman Incorporated. Because why the hell not? Why wouldn't you want to do that? So he continued to moonlight as the vigilante crime fighter and even saved Bruce Wayne at a dinner party. This was back in Batwing issue 20. Now... Okay, Gotham has tons of criminals, regular criminals, and tons of like superpowered or enhanced criminals as well. You are overflown with so many vigilantes. Batman, Bat Family, uh, Batgirl, Batwoman, Robins and whatnot. What? You need another child to moonlight as a vigilante? Like, what is going on with this? (laughs) Okay, so unknown to him, him being Luke, he was being watched closely by Batman and was the hero's first choice for Batwing, except for, uh, but he gave it to David, which, okay, so you're conflicted because your friend who works for you, because is that really your friend or is he just a employee, but your friend who works for you has a son who you have noticed and you think would be perfect for this 
vigilante position. You wanted him over David? This seems odd. Because one, David is based in Africa. And it, to me, seems as if Batman Incorporated was a Batman stationed all across the world. So everyone had their own Batman. Why would you want... Like, I don't know. Maybe this is just like a retcon. This is like an error or something overlooked within changing creative teams. But why in the hell would I want this 16-year-old kid in Gotham to be my Batwing over the David, the capable, fully grown adult in Africa? Like, the two don't even intersect. Like, it's not like we're in Africa and there's two options or we're in Gotham and there's two options. It's just one or the other. You can have a David... Zavimbe Batwing in Africa in the Congo, and you can have a Luke Fox Batwing in Gotham, which you shouldn't have that at all because he's 16, he's a child, but whatever. So, moving past that, Batwing, excuse me, Batman did not approach Lucas because he was afraid of um, to endanger his friend's son, which is like, that should, like, you. You, whatever. Okay, Batman. Now, that was back in Batwing uh, issue 19. Now, after the death of David's mentor, Matuba, Batman approaches Luke with the new suit and a chance to join Batman Incorporated as Gotham-based Batwing. Why? I, man, whatever. But it's on brand because Batman is good for taking a young boy who is athletic and throwing a suit on him and making him fly across the roofs of Gotham City's tallest buildings to abuse mentally damaged individuals, I'll say. Now, becoming Batwing. (laughs) After his recruitment, Batman trained Luke for months before sending him out into the field with a costume power suit This was to keep his identity a secret and grant him more protection. Because, of course, protect that 16-year-old child's frail body (laughs) so he doesn't die or if they know who he is. I don't know. Uh, Now, this was more protection than a typical uh, Batman's Robin. Now, the irony is that the suit was made by his father, Lucius, which is like, yeah, that's irony, but... That's terrible. Like, this is a soap opera. This is some bullshit. (laughs) Now, Lucas' first assignment had him dispatched to none other than Africa. Okay. Now, there Luke faced off with Lady Marabuntu. 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 I think I'm saying that right. Now, he defeated her and uh, before disobeying Batman's orders and shutting down the fearsome Lion Mane. Who are these characters? Lion Mane, Lady Marabuntu, we're in Africa, just anywhere in Africa, I just, just Africa. Now, by jumping in without thinking, Luke was badly injured, of course. Luke returned to Gotham and his complicated personal life. He had multiple girlfriends, which is, that's what you do. You're a vigilante and a student and you got tons of girlfriends. Now, uh, I think uh, one of them was Zena Zelenko. I don't know. I'm probably messing it up too. Now, while at home, Marabuntu captured his father. So, Lucius, you're captured and endangered his family. Luke had to team up with Batman. They rescued Lucius, that was back in Batwing issue 22, and stuck a major blow to the Marabuntu. Now, his disappearance during his father's capture, however, left him ostracized from his family. Because, of course, no one knows your identity, but you run away when your father's captured. Yeah, you about to look pretty fishy there. Where the hell were you at, Lucas? So, family ain't having that shit. Later on, Luke faced off with the assassin Lady Vic while on the date with Xena. Okay? Now, jumping in headfirst yet again... He was soundly trumped by the villain who left his suit and ego badly damaged. He repaired the suit and made improvements before taking out Lady Vic and reconciling with Xena, whose father had died. So he's just all around fucking stuff up, you know, all in the name of good and justice, but still nonetheless fucking stuff up. Now, his next mission from Batman involved infiltrating the criminal empire of Charlie Caligula. Oh, I think I got that right. Charlie Caligula in Italy. Uh, He was assisted uh, by the legionary that was back in Batwing number 26 during Gotopia, where the whole 
Gotham was laced with the Scarecrow's psychotropic drug. Um, he had a better relationship with his dad by then, but God dang it, at what cost? Like, Gotham is a horrible... Okay, I say this, I've said this before. If I was a person existing in Marvel Universe, I would not live in New York. If I was a person living in DC Universe, I would not live in Gotham. I wouldn't live in Metropolis. I would not live in Central City. I'm barely even Kansas. I'm going to Florida. I think that's the only place that I can think of where there ain't been no issues in the DC universe. But whatever. So um, during this, back in Batwing uh, issue number 27, Tamara was captured by Ratcatcher. <laughs> Ratcatcher. Now, this abduction left Batwing emotional, as it should. Your father was abducted. Your family ostracized you because of it. You didn't let them know your secret identity. And now your sister's gone. Are we going to have a repeat of the same thing? Now, he was very emotional and very brutal. What happened next was Luke tore his ass straight through Gotham's underground to find his sister. He ain't making them same mistakes. He coming for his sister. Now, this abduction also put a strain on his parents' marriage. Um, so when Tamira was found, she was brain dead from drug overdose. His sister Tiff also mysteriously vanished because if you guys remember, I also covered uh, Batgirl, the Tiffany Batgirl um, in Carefree Black Nerd. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. Now, she mysteriously vanished. Now, with the revelation that his friend Russell, now branded as Menace, was responsible, he journeyed to the center city under Gotham to enact his revenge. So, it just seems like anybody taking up the mantle of Batwing is about to be stressed the fuck out. Um, while in this new world, he fought with the Anubis cult, run by Mother of Anubis, until finally facing Menace in a bloody terrible mortal combat now his suit was damaged of course but he managed to not only win but seemingly kill menace now we know we thought isaac was dead from david's story it turned out he wasn't he came back with full force i don't know will menace really be dead find out next time on next episode of dragon ball z now lucas fox powers and abilities he is great a great businessman he went to MIT. Uh, he was given business lessons by his father, but refused the job at Wayne Enterprises, of course. Um, he wanted to follow his own path. He's very headstrong. Martial arts. Luke is trained in martial arts by Batman, as well as being a very accomplished boxer and mixed martial arts fighter. Now, with boxing, Luke is a world-class boxer. This was his own skill that he acquired before he was recruited and trained by Batman and other fighting styles. I want to take a quick um, second here. I know comics, you have to suspend belief. I know the timelines are what they are. And, you know, a lot of stuff can happen in a short amount of time. But this boy being 16, sneaking away and fighting crime to, I don't know, aging a, a couple years. When did he have time to become a world-class boxer? And then when did you have time to get trained by Batman like all of this is happening in secret while you're a minor living under your parents roof and no one is the wiser like I know there's lying to be told and there is you know secrets to be had but god damn this is a lot of stuff um but I digress so he's a world-class boxer also engineering Luke has a degree from MIT for engineering and has shown great skill in his industry Having accomplished such feats as defusing a mini nuke and creating a new Azrael suit for John Paul. Tactical Analysis Luke was praised by Batman and his decision-making skills, which afforded him extra capabilities both on and off the battlefield. Equipment used by Lucas, just the high-tech Batwing suit. Now, in other versions, uh, Luke Fox... There is a version of the Luke Fox Batwing that appeared in Batman's Bad Blood, of course. This one was vo voiced by, and I'm going to butcher this, Gaucious Charles. I think I said that right. Now, in video games, Luke Fox was Batwing in DC's Universe Online, and a young Luke appears in a picture in Lucius's lab in Batman The Telltale Series. And of course, 
on television, Luke Fox will appear in the CW's Batwoman series. Luke will be played by Cameron Johnson. You may know him from The Sun is Also a Star, in that he played Omar Hasbullah. Um, he's also in Safe Spaces, where he played Eugene, and on Netflix's OA, where he is the character named Corey. Now, um, at the time of this recording, I have not seen the CW's Batwoman, so I don't know much about Lucas and his character on the show. Um, the show could pull from any number of stories with Lucas or even some of the elements from David's version of Batwing. Like, just because David's version was set in Africa doesn't mean we may not pull elements from there. Now, what I wonder is if we'll get a Batwing spinoff from the show, because we do have Black Lightning coming out of the Arrowverse. We do have this Elseworlds Batwoman. So, will he be there or will he just be her man in the chair? We don't know. Um, in any regard, I am happy to see that this character is in a live action version being played by a capable actor who looks the part. Cameras is a dark-skinned, obviously black guy. He's not some racially ambiguous version, some watered-down version of the Lucas Fox character as far as visuals are concerned. Now, the way he's going to act on the show, that I'm unaware of. Um, I did see the Batwoman trailer and I'm going to rewatch it a couple times after this just to kind of see where we're at. Um, but he, at the very least, looks like Lucius. Um, so let me know if you're going to be tuned into the Batwoman TV show. If you are, when you watch, live tweet. Use the hashtag GCHPod. I want to know your thoughts. I want to see your thoughts. I want to interact with you. So October 6th will be Batwoman. Uh, yeah, let me know. So, guys, this has been my explanation or exploration into Batwing, both versions. And uh, let me know what you think. Did you learn a little bit of something? Is this new to you? Is this something that maybe I left off or skimmed over and you want to bring that to my attention? If so, you can always tweet me, carefreeblurred. Use that hashtag, CBNpod. Uh, all other social medias, it's Carefree Black Nerd. Or if you have a bit more of a lengthy uh, conversation you want to have, go ahead and jump into my email, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Go ahead and rate the show on, on your favorite podcast listening platform. Share it. Let folks know that you're listening in. And again, please do, while you're watching that Batwoman series, use that hashtag GCHpod. Let me know your thoughts. So, guys, this has been the first installment of the senior year. Uh, let's see if we can make it to homecoming with a few episodes under my belt. <laughs> so, guys, until next time, I want you all to stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and please, by all means, follow your own path. Do not let your father decide what you're going to do. But also, minors out there, be smart about things. Don't go be a vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all.